time for another edition of Singles Only Podcast. My name is Paul Farvar. I am your host, as always. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for asking. This episode features professor, podcaster, soloist, Peter McGraw. This is one of the most fascinating episodes uh, I've ever had in uh, the 300 episodes we've had, uh, almost 300 episodes we've had. Uh, If you don't know what a soloist is, you will learn in this podcast. Such a fascinating movement. Uh, I learned a lot about it. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about <sighs> human nature. It's such a good episode. We uh, we will have Peter McGraw back on. If you have questions for him, pfarvartgmail.com. Tell me your thoughts on this episode. By the way, if you've listened to at least two episodes and you haven't reviewed us, please do it. I, it, I can't stress how easy it is to do. You just go on wherever you're listening to this. Give us a five-star review and say, hey, I like this episode. I like this podcast. Whatever. Helps keeping this podcast going. Keeps it single and free. Single and free. You know what I mean. And uh, and helps with the algorithm. Keeps me alive. This is the longest relationship I've ever had with anything, this podcast. Um, if you want to see me live, I'm at the Metropolitan in Chicago on March 15th. I'll be at McCurdy's on March 16th and 17th this week. At Side Splitters in Tampa on Friday, March 18th, with the Off the Mound show with Ryan Dempster. And then I'm at Innings Fest in Tampa, March 19th and 20th, as part of the Off the Mound show with Ryan Dempster. Back in Chicago next week, check out my website, Paul Left Comedy, for upcoming dates in April. I'll be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Reno, Las Vegas, and all over. Um, check out the website. Uh, if you want to buy the shirts, Parkinson's Foundation gets all the proceeds. Email me, pfarvar at gmail.com, or you can get them at the website, paulfcomedy.com. You can see all my upcoming dates, and I will have some new merch, some new changes coming with the approaching 300th episode. I'm excited for that, and I'm thankful that you guys are listening. So keep doing it. Enjoy this episode. And also, please do me a favor and check out our sponsors. Hey, gang, I'm excited to tell you about this new dating app. This is a dating app that's different than any other dating app I've ever talked about on this podcast. It's called Posse Global. It's a dating app created for groups of friends. See, back in the day, you would go to bars with your friends and you'd meet a group of other friends and magic would ensue for one or two of you. Or even before that, I was in a fraternity. We'd go out to sorority mixers and the groups would meet up and one or two people would have magic nights or magic lives. That's just how it worked. Well, guess what? That's what this app does. It creates all that magic and more. It helps create plans easier for you and your friends to connect with others, not only locally, but globally. Here's how it works. First, you create an individual profile. You guys have known how to do this on all the other dating apps. There's no difference. The difference comes when you create a posse profile. Yep, that's right. You create a posse profile. It could be a posse of you and your college friends. It could be a posse of you and your colleagues at work or your high school friends. You can be in as many posses as you want. You create these posses. It can be you and three people or you and 30 people. Then you see the feed. You see other posses you might want to hang out with. The other features that are so cool are destination features and the beacon feature and the group messaging feature. I don't have time to go into details about this, but I can tell you a little about it. Say you're going to the Indy 500 with you and your friends or you and your posse, and you see, hey, there's another group called Fighting Illini 69 that's going there too. They sound like fun. You can make plans with them to meet up there with them at the Indy 500. Or you can use the beacon feature when you're there if you're not hanging out or not feeling that Fighting Illini 69 and see what other groups are there because the beacon feature shows you the interactive map that allows you to see who else is in your area or other destinations that you may be going to, and you can group message them to decide if you're going to meet them. Look, there's so many cool things that I just don't have time to tell you about in this small, short commercial. What I can tell you is download Posse Global, show me that you did, create a profile, create an individual profile and a Posse profile, Email it to me, and I'll make sure you get some awesome posse swag while supplies last. Trust me when I tell you this app is the future. Posse Global, download it today. You are welcome. Mm-hmm. 
It's time for another edition of Singles Only Podcast. My name is Paul Farvar. I am your host. Uh, we're doing this podcast via Zoom. So if you're listening in your car, you can go to my YouTube page at youtube.com backslash Paul F. Comedy to watch this in person. Uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, you might have seen him on the Today Show. He's a professor. He's a podcaster. And he's a soloist. He's going to explain that to us today. Peter McGraw. Aha! Did I get that right? <laughs> You know, that alone should get people to go to your YouTube station. Hell yeah. Right. Thank you so much for doing this. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny because um, I used a different or, uh, thing, this pod match thing to find some guests every once in a while because I was having too many comedians. And I, and I get a lot of uh, messages from people that clearly don't realize what my podcast is about. But then mm -hmm. you hit me up or I hit you up. And then we, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the shit I need on this podcast. This is. But this is going to be, I'm, I'm hoping that we stay in the time frame. I know I don't want to take too much of your time, but I have so many questions. Uh, first of all, thank you for doing the podcast, Peter. Very appreciative. My uh, pleasure. I'm you, more excited than you are. Okay, great. Well, so you are uh, what we call a soloist or what you call yourself a soloist. So why don't you tell us what that is first? I know what it is, but explain it in your own words. Yeah, so um, this is a new project for me. I, I actually used to live in your world a little bit more um, in the world of comedy. Okay. Um, not as someone who makes it, but as someone who studies it. And in the last two years, my life has been completely transformed. Um, not because I've embraced my singlehood, which is I've done that a long time ago, but I decided to speak to the world about it. And um, so rather than using the word single, I have... I'm a proponent of the word solo. And yes. the idea is, essentially is, is that single, we know single people, you know, single people, you know, are, you know, are just seen a little lower in society. You know, they haven't done that important thing. They're not, they're not involved in a long-term relationship. They're not emotionally available. They don't have a ride or die. You know, anybody who's been on the apps knows explicitly or implicitly the kind of stigma that's there solo is about celebrating singlehood and to me to transform yourself from a single to a solo you really only need to do two things one is is you you have to embrace autonomy that is to see yourself as complete without someone else um, and then the other one is to embrace a sense of adventure and that is to make the most of your time as a single person whether it be for now or forever. So this is the part of the podcast where usually if we had a voice of reason, they'd come in and tell us why you and I are, we're giving each other high fives because everything you've said, I've agreed with. And now we don't have someone to counter that argument because literally that's what I've been doing on this podcast for five years is saying, you know, uh, you know, instead we always ask people, why are you single? And then I hear their answers. And 90% of the time, people, especially in the comedy world, we're, we're married to our comedy. We're yes. married to this uh, thing that we're pursuing. And a lot of people who have careers that make that a priority uh, are the same way. And I, even before I did comedy, I feel like I was married to my careers as uh, whatever I was doing at the time. So I think that that sense of autonomy is so important. And it's funny on the apps, you know, people always think that if you are uh, single and, you know, of a certain age that you're only on those apps to like get laid or, um, you know, pretty much that's it. And that's just not accurate. You know, it's not, you know, I actually speaking of married to comedy, I had uh, two of your colleagues. I had Neil Brennan and Alonzo Bowden on, oh, yeah. on solo and it, and it perfect was really, answers. It was really a wonderful conversation with those guys because they're they're incredibly thoughtful you know and, absolutely um and they move in and out of relationships uh yeah. that, are, that are there you know i think a little bit of of data might be useful to your listeners first of all i want to say to you you know thank you for having this podcast there's not enough conversations happening about this and if you've yeah. been doing it for five years you were early because i think it's just now starting to seep into the the cultural because of me i mean that's pretty much I, obviously yeah. yes <laughs> and alonzo same with alonzo he's been on the he's been a guest on the pod he knows mm -hmm. so yeah so it is it i've been moved by this concept uh for a long time ago and i brought the podcast to to light to 
have someone convince me that I'm wrong about this idea. Mm -hmm. And to date, you know, we've had guests from all over all spectrums of relationships, uh, divorced, widowers, polyamory, everything Mm -hmm. to give their spiel as to what, what it is that creates uh, a need for a relationship or not. Yes. Well, the, the data are, are really interesting, I would say. So I, I think people are, are single for one of three reasons. So they're single, by, they're single by chance, perhaps. So that is, they want their ride and die. You know, they want that LTR. They want to find that person. And for some reason, they're struggling with it. You know, their, their standards are too high. They live in a place where there's just not good matches, whatever the, the reasoning is behind that. Okay. The second group is, is kind of sounds like your group. I call them single by choice. Right. That is, I have other things to do that I'd rather be spending my time, my efforts, my energy on. Um, and that might be forever, you know. Um, so one of the, the great researchers who's helped me out a lot is Bella DiPaolo. She, she talks about people being single at heart. These are just people who just aren't looking for that traditional romantic sexual relationship. Okay. Other people are, are like me where, you know, you kind of like turn it on and off, you know, you shut down the apps, you turn them on depending on what you're up to. Right. And then the last group, and to be honest, the last group I, I probably really belong to, and, and it took my podcast to figure that out. I don't have a good name for them yet, but I, I call them single by mismatch. Single by mismatch, okay. By mismatch. And that is, they would welcome a romantic or sexual relationship, but not a traditional one. That is, they're not interested okay. in riding what I call the relationship escalator. And so that could take many, many forms. So, for example, your polyamorous guests would fit, right? So, so someone who right. has interest in romance with more than one person. Right. For example, um, so for me, for, for instance, is I don't ever want to live with someone. Like I just, yeah. I, I've lived alone most of my adult life. Me too. I do yeah. it very well. When I have girlfriends, I don't mind them coming and staying a little bit, but I've had relationships end when they're like, I want to take the next step, right? On the escalator yes. and move in and merge our lives. And I just can't bring myself to do it. Right. And so, so, so that's a thing where you, where you fall into this mismatch. Um, I think that's what, what I talk about a lot on this podcast is that marriage is an, a traditional marriage is an outdated institution, right? We've updated everything in the world. We've been updated marriage uh, to include gay marriage. You know, yes. we've updated gender to include multiple genders. Why are we fixated on this fucking idea? Pardon my French that it just, if, if you were in any other profession and something didn't work 51% of the time, why would you not try to improve it? And there's so many ways to improve a traditional marriage or even a traditional relationship because we know that relationships don't always last forever, you know? And there's, yes. there's reasons why they don't, typically involving um, a wandering eye or a seven-year itch or, or whatever you want to call it. But that, that's something that, do you think that's something that we'll see in our lifetime where I know you said that we're seeing more, oh, I know polyamory is blowing up. Yes. And I think that uh, the different forms of it make sense. Some of it makes sense to me. Some of it, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can handle that. But uh, do you think that in our lifetime, we'll see this update in marriage or in the traditional relationship where it's more and more uh, part of mainstream media? Mainstream. Yeah, well, so that's the thing is I think that you've identified a real disconnect, right? And so there, so there's one side of the world, which is the way government treats marriage, which is very traditionally. Right. And then also, you know, the love songs, the rom-coms, the, you know, the kind of cultural communication that's happening via the media and how that's so reinforcing. On the other side, what you're finding is people just opting out of this. So again, some data, um, 128 million single adults in the United States, that's nearly half the adult population. Half of those 
single adults are not interested in dating or a relationship at the moment. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. I know. And, and some of it is, um, because again, people are, are opting out of this thing. They've lost faith in it. Sometimes some of it is that the world is filled with lots of different types of singles. Sure. You know, the idea of expecting some 75 year old woman to be looking for a new husband is a bit right. ridiculous. Or they've come off a bad relationship and right at the moment they're not looking, but that's right. Yes. Um, but this is also turning into a global phenomenon, right? So for example, 28% of households in the United States are solo or one person. That number is high as 50% in Northern European cities like Stockholm, which is developing a singles culture yeah. there where people are, they date, they may even have people that they have partnerships with, but they, they again, they, they keep this autonomy. And here's the crazy thing, Paul, you're even seeing this in places like South Korea and Japan, which are not as individualistic as the United States and have very strong traditional norms um, around status, you know, traditional status, get a, you know, go to a good school, get a good job, have a family, have kids, right. you know, the, the South Korean or the Japanese version of the American dream. And what you're seeing in, in Korea is this group called the Han Jokes, actually did a, a really fascinating episode on it called Meet the Han Jokes, about these young, creative, like artistic, single South Koreans who are opting out of all of those things. They're not trying to get the job at Samsung. Oh, wow. They're okay. Not, well, what are they doing? Big university education. They're living alone. They're, they're not consumption oriented. Oh, gotcha. and in Japan, and we, we can't ignore this, the rise of singles and the, the evaporation of a traditional marriage is largely being fueled by women. And it's, it's being fueled by women because they're in these developed countries having greater access to economic and educational right. opportunities. And, when, and lo and behold, when you're a woman and you can make your own money, some of those women decide, I don't need a man. I don't need to get married. I don't need a yeah. man the way we used to need a man. Right. Well, marriage in the traditional sense was it was more of a property transaction. If you go back to the purpose of it, it was, you know, to avoid it's kind of like, you know, declaring your wife as your property at some That's point, right. right? And <laughs> and then somewhere along the lines this became a tradition that Puritan ethics and everything started to say, oh, this is probably the good thing to, to keep everybody in line. Um, the, uh, the, the commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. The full commandment is not to covet my, your neighbor's house. Right, his everything. Animals. His, it's not, don't covet your neighbor's stuff that Property. he owns. Correct. That's right. And that's the so thing that that we've, we've turned away from. And, and, and I think when you were talking about those statistics in other countries where their singlehood uh, was higher percentages in the Scandinavian countries, I believe, do you think that has something to do with, uh, you know, people that are pursuing their own self-growth uh, and, and education where they start realizing, whether it's women or men too, to some extent, where like, I don't want to be in a position where uh, I'm sharing my growth or I, I'm, I'm risking my growth by spending time or energy on a personal relationship. I think that's some of it. So I think Japan is an interesting case study. So one of the things that is happening is any place that has a social safety net, you see more of this because now a person doesn't need oh, right. to partner up as much, right? Okay, yes. I don't need to be married to have a health, to have health care, have health insurance, for example. Yeah. So in Japan, what's interesting is Japan lags far behind many um, developed nations in terms of equity. So um, it's a very patriarchal, patriarchal society. But there are women now who are starting to go to school and starting to work, and they're just making a decision, which is, I can't do it all. Mm -hmm. I can't have a job and a family because Japanese men do the least amount of housework mm -hmm. of any man in the world. Right. And so these women are like, I've got to make a choice. 
And I'm choosing, and some of them are choosing instead to opt out of the tradition and to, you know, like work can be stimulating. It can be interesting. You know, it can, it can provide people, you know, resources to do really fascinating, wonderful things. And um, you're seeing more and more of that. Well, right. And I think that there's something to be said that women who are educated want to, if they're given the choice between staying at home or going in the world, you know, more and more people are saying, I'd rather go in the world and, uh, and get a job, even if I am taking care of, well, like, you know, the traditional guy, we see it in some movies lately. I, I've seen it covered in a, in a recent movie. I forgot which one it what was called, but uh, essentially this guy was wealthy and he's like, why, why don't you just want to stay home? I'm going to take care of you. She's like, well, I have my own career. And it became this this driving issue in the in the movie. God, I fucking wish I remember that name of the if, movie. You now. know, there's a you know Judge Judy's origin story is basically this, right? Yeah, her yeah, husband she, was a judge too. Yeah, yeah. Her, she's he said your my profession is more important, and she got rid of him. Yeah, and, you know, and now we have her today. Do you think? Why do you think it is that? the government or religion is so pushing this traditional marriage on us and why people are resistant to uh, try to evolve it. You know, I know that divorce lawyers clearly would get fucked and I've talked they to them about it. Change. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you make a, an agreement, like one of the things we've proposed on the show is having a, a seven year contract where it's like, okay, marriage is, it's like an agency with the NFL. It's like you can renew and, your contract here, you're going to decide if you want to work harder to make it work or you want to just mm -hmm. walk away. Why do you think it is that we haven't, we don't see that? We, we see actually a push from some politicians to, to have a traditional uh, yeah. marriage when they know themselves. And, and typically the guys and, and, and the politicians in the world that are pushing that are the ones that are most not traditional. And I'm not yeah, saying it, taking sides here. I'm just saying, you know. I, I appreciate that question. I don't I don't know if I have a good I'm a psychologist by training, and I've yeah. had to learn a lot of sociology and anthropology as I've waded into this really to complex topic. Right. Um I I do think that I just think that sometimes, you know, is like government is often the last to change. Right. You know, and certainly religion is the last to change, you know? So even just recently, the Pope came out sort of wagging his finger at, at women saying that if you choose to have a pet rather than a child, you are being selfish. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I just think that, um, that the kind of, you know, it's very hard to, I, I don't have a great answer for you yet. Okay. I have to tell you that. And, and so, so forgive me, but let me practice I forgive intellectual you. humility and say, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure, except to just say, you know, that the people who are in power are old. Yeah. And that's, and so where are you seeing the big movement with regard to the rise of single living and then the rise of unconventional living? It's all happening between, you know, teens, twenties, and thirties. Yeah. You know, I see it when I'm on the apps. Um, I, I, you know, I see the shift in, in conversation from women in their fifties and forties down to women in their thirties and, um, and below. And I think some of it just has to do with, there's a, there's a, a saying in academia about scientific progress happens one death at a time. Right. Um, no, we just got to wait till they all die off. I got there's you. There's a little bit of like, it's, it's coming, you know, but it's just going to happen very slowly because our policy sure. makers, the people who run our think tanks, et cetera, are, um, <clears throat> you know, they're in their sixties and seventies. And yeah. 80s, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, let me ask you this. You said that you've come across this way of thinking. Let's talk about your, you personally for a bit. Sure. Have you, have you ever been married? Never been married. Couple near misses. Okay. What does that mean? To, engaged? Never engaged, but there were, there were a couple of women that I thought I would marry. Okay. Um, 
in my thirties. Okay. And what, what is it? Was it, you talked about earlier where you said it was uh, when it got time to move up the elevator the, or uh, escalator. escalator and you, uh, and it was time to move in. Is that, did you actually live with the, with one of them and then saw it? So it never got no. to that point. Okay. Never got to that point. So I, you know, I, I mean, we should step back. It's no surprise I'm a lifelong bachelor. So at age 15, I was already putting off marriage. Okay. So I, I distinctly remember this. I, had, I was part of this lunch table, group of very funny, smart guys. And one day, the question of when will you get married came up to the table. Not if you will get married, but when you will get married. Right. Right. It was just assumed. That's how it was back then. Sure. That's right. And I remember saying, I won't get married till some after I'm 30. Now, nowadays, that doesn't sound that radical. But at the time, the average age of marriage was 25. Mm -hmm. My parents had two kids when they were in, when they were 30. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody I knew who was an adult was married. There was one guy in my neighborhood who wasn't married. His name was George. He drove a Trans Am <laughs> and he grew weed in his backyard. Where'd you grow up in Colorado? In New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I'd be friends with George today, <laughs> but you know, he was like a weirdo back then. Like, who is this guy? What is he doing? You know, fast forward ahead in my thirties, I threw a bachelor party for myself, celebrated my bachelorhood even though I didn't even have a girlfriend at the time. Because I, I pretty much knew that it wasn't likely to happen. And in the invite, I actually- That's a great idea. Guys, I might do that. Yeah, go ahead. As you should. It's, <laughs> by the way, a bachelor party that features an eligible bachelor is the best kind of bachelor party. I've never heard of that, but I love it. <laughs> Thank you. And so um, I, I pretty quickly figured out I didn't want to have children. And so once you don't want to have kids, I started right. to see marriage as optional. And so, you know, these near misses happened for, you know, a variety of reasons. One, because I didn't want to have kids. Um, I'm still friends with the woman today. She went off and rode the escalator and has a couple kids um, and is mildly envious of my life. <laughs> As people should be. Right, As they right. should be. Yes, that's right. And then I think the big, and actually it was her breakup with her, a heart-wrenching breakup. How long did I you date for? I was in love with this woman. I was 38. How long did you guys date for? Ah, that's a good question. It, it was a fraught relationship. Okay, was, on and off. Uh, okay. You know, it was one of these things where like the feelings mattered more than the time, which, <laughs> which by the way is important because you were already alluded to this. The escalator has these elements to it, right? So first of all, it's romantically and sexually monogamous, right? Means no romance and no sex outside of that couple, which by the way, doesn't guarantee it happening within, but it's like no, right. what you can't do. It's hierarchical, so it's higher status, right? So this relationship is more important than any other adult-adult relationship you have. And it's continuous. It starts at some period of time and it, it should not ever end until someone dies, till death do, right. does this part. And we judge the goodness of the relationship based upon its length of time. Because I, I regularly have women who ask me, well, what's your longest relationship? And like, that's some, that's, that's a test, right? Well, you know. Proof that you're in it. Yeah. That you can do it, right? That you can Put do some skin in the game. Right, right. But, you know, some of my most meaningful, wonderful relationships were <laughs> rather brief. And, I, and I've, uh, oh, you, you froze there a second. Here, Judge the goodness of a relationship based upon how long it is. Right. Because sometimes they just are meant to end. And so that relationship was sort of brief, fiery. I still have a great deal of affection for this person, but we weren't a good match because we had different types of goals. Right. But in the ensuing heartbreak, I had this moment of clarity in which I realized that my single life was a happy life. Yeah. And that I was, what I was returning to was not something to lament, but something to celebrate. And, and that changed everything. That right. set me down this path that eventually culminated into um, the solo project. Right. As some of you know, I am a germaphobe. I never leave my home without my sanitizer. And 
I'm also admitted hand sanitizer snob. I need the good smelling stuff, period. During the pandemic, I, like all of you, suffered through countless hand sanitizers, which smelled like tequila and diaper rash. Not to mention the sticky feeling some left while others would just stay slippery on your hands, no matter how little you used. Everyone hoarded the good stuff. Well, I finally discovered my match. And it's not just the good stuff. It's the best stuff. Emu hand sanitizer. The only hand sanitizer that feels good, smells good, and does good. With various smell flavors to choose from. Lemongrass, mint, ocean air, orange blossom, and my favorite, watermelon. Emu ends the days of horrible sanitizers with sticky or slippery residue. It actually smells amazing. I am not kidding you. I actually look forward to using it after shaking hands with people after shows or touching microphones from all these dirty comedians. Best of all, the bottles are TSA approved, so I can travel with them. And Emu gives back with every bottle. They give a percentage of their net profits to COVID research. So... Emu is the way to go. Check it out today, sprayemu.com, or go to their Instagram at sprayemu. Use singles only promo code for your discount today. Emu sanitizer. You will love it. Okay, I know it's all fun and games. My Better Call Paul spiels on stage, or my shirts that say Better Call Paul, uh, Donating a lot of the money for charity, by the way. Um, PaulFcomedy.com, you can get your shirt, as always. But here's the thing. If you actually need a lawyer, you have to get professional help. So if you're injured on the job, you don't know what kind of compensation you're entitled to, or you're injured in a car accident. Don't handle something on your own, and don't call some random person that you see in commercials on daytime TV. Call someone that really knows what they're doing. Someone that's helped workers who were injured for over 20 years in Chicago and beyond. My good friend, attorney Scott Shapiro. He is your man. Give him a call. Here's the thing. He also handles entertainment law. Whether you're a comedian, a musician, a podcaster, a wrestler, an actor, anything. He's handled all these things for 20 years here in Chicago. He is your guy. Give him a call, 312-627-1650, or email him at scott at scottshapirolegal.com. All consultations initially free of charge. Your first consultation is free. You have nothing to lose. Don't take any chances. Call my friend Scott Shapiro, 312-627-1650, scott at scottshapirolegal.com. Tell him I sent you. You're welcome. Well, that's the thing, you know, when you measure a relationship, like you said, where it ends with somebody dying, you know, the, the concept of death to us part was when the lifespan was a lot less than 70 plus years, 80 plus years. So it wasn't that big of a commitment because you're getting married, you know, and they talk about this in the book, Sex at Dawn, you know, like there wasn't death to your part is like, Oh, okay. You're going to be with this person for seven, 10 years. And then one of you is going to die or both of you going to die. Mm -hmm. But now when you have that concept, it means a lot more and not to mention all the other variables that we talked about. And what you said resonates with me too. Cause when I realized that I didn't want to have kids, I have my two best friends who are married. were like, if you don't want to have kids, don't get married. It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, I didn't learn until I was in my late twenties where I was like, I don't, I wasn't when I was 15 uh, or even even when I was 30, I was I was the guy that created all the bachelor parties for my friends. Yeah, I've I was the go to guy. Yeah. But I was always like, well, maybe this is something I'm going to do. And then eventually I was like, wait, why? Just because society, it's a norm that I'm mm -hmm. supposed to do. And I think when you when you realize that and you don't want to get on that escalator, then things free up. And, and you're right. A lot of people are envious and a lot of people do judge you based on how long your relationships are. But the people that I dated for even like three months are now some of my closest friends. Yeah, that's right. They, they become business partners. They date other friends. They become right. dear, dear friends who I, who I had a little tryst with or, or dated in some way. 
So a couple things, Paul. One is, can I come to your bachelor party? Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Also, I know a good urologist when you're ready for that vasectomy. Oh, did so. you do that already? I did. Yeah, yes. I, I'm just too scared. But I think I'm shooting blanks anyway, because I've been pretty good about it. And so <laughs> I, I just feel like I've gone 20 years with without uh, I, I a know. near miss. So I have a I have a story I'll tell you offline that that sealed the deal. <laughs> okay, fair enough. The um the you know this idea about the length of time, you know, it is a long time, a lifetime together with with some person. And I'm not anti-marriage. I just think it's overprescribed. But you know that that day when I realized that I was a happy single person at age 38 open doors for me because right. I, I made a decision that I probably wasn't going to be married in my middle years. And I said, well, what can I do with this time? And I went on an epic professional run. I traveled the world to crack the humor code. I wrote two books. I gave Ted talks. I just blossomed professionally and personally. I have a whole new set of friends, a whole new set of experiences. Right. I, I have just a very rich life as a result because I wasn't doing the traditional thing. Right. And again, I'm not saying that everybody should do what I did either, but I'm saying is like in the movie, it's a wonderful life. George Bailey wants, you know, he's, he's buying, you know, he's got the piece of luggage, right. You know, he's going to go and travel the world. He's going to shake the dust off this little town. And he ends up getting roped into staying in, um, in that little town and having a wonderful life as, as a married man. What I would love to see is what is <laughs> the other side. <laughs> what is the other wonderful life that George Bailey would have had? Please update South it. America and you know what I mean? Like yeah. going on these adventures, Indiana Jones style. Right. We never get to see the other half. Like that should be the, that should be the, the you know, they always, they repackage old movies. Yeah. Why don't they just, instead of just making that again, just make the other version where we That's see right. how happy he is living a non-traditional <laughs> life. <laughs> right. I think it would be great. Yeah. Like he goes, he has like an, a, you know, he ends up fathering a child in, in, in Brazil. <laughs> and then he gets involved with a drug cartel, but he's happy. Um, he's having, he's living a remarkable life. As yeah. I like to say. And, and that's funny too, that you said that because I too had a lot of success professionally and I do a lot of things side hustles. Everyone's like, how do you do it? And then I'm like, you know what? It's just time management. But in reality, the bigger part of it is that I don't have to, and whether it's good or bad, I don't have to invest my time in a relationship that, um, you know, may or may not work for, for me. And I, I remember when you talked about this, I'm going to tell you my version of it where sure. When I had a bad breakup, I was dating a woman for a year who now we're best friends. I, I, I'm rooting for her. We wanted two different things. She wanted to be married, have kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And, and I don't know if I want to have kids. I mean, if it happens, it happens. I'm, I'm, that's another reason why I'm not ready for the big V. But, um, but we wanted different things and it wasn't working. And I went to therapy to just say, well, well what's, how does this end? And my therapist was like, he said the same thing that you said about the people that by choice that lived these extraordinary lives and never really needed uh, another uh, a person to, to ride and die with. And I thought something was wrong with me. And I was like, well, maybe this is something different. And then it, in reality, it's no, I think that, I mean, I'm not going to judge other people, but I'm like, well, shit, I think something's wrong with all of you. I don't know what that was, but, um, but why is that, that, um, you know, people that say that, you know, you, you prioritize a relationship, but even in those situations, you're not being faithful in the relationship most of the time, whether you actually act upon a physical cheating or whatever, there are people that cheat all the time on their significant others, whether it's having like a work husband or, a, or they're not revealing everything to that significant other. Why isn't that ever addressed in in the, the people pushing for marriage. Yeah, because you know, the, you, you have you have this greater goal. And so you, you know, you do what you need to do to keep it to keep it going. I have to say, you have a really wonderful therapist. Yeah. Because you know, the average therapist is so inculcated in the belief 
that the marriage will solve your problems, that they will continue to push people to do it. To fix it, right. Right for them. Yeah. And, you know, I really, it really bothers me that, um, that marriage in particular ha- is given this moral high ground. That is that, that a family is you're doing good, hard, moral work. And the people who opt out of this, the Peters and Pauls of the world who opt out, out of this are, are Peter Pans and Paul Pans. Yeah, we're ostracized. Right. That's right. And for, there's a couple of things that are wrong with that. It's totally fallacious thing. First of all, people who get married and have kids do so for selfish reasons, right? They do it because they believe that it'll make them happy, right? You know what I mean? And they sure. do it for evolutionary selfish reasons. So, so there's no like getting away from the selfishness of, of wanting to pursue what makes you happy. The other one is single people are not relationship free. They have bigger friendship groups. They're more involved in their community. They're more likely to care give one of their elderly parents. Right, which I'm doing right now, yeah. They donate more of their time and money to charities. And I believe, and I haven't done all the primary research on this, they disproportionately contribute to the world of science, entertainment, and culture. That's a that's 100% accurate if you think about it. If you look at all the folks who are excelling in their careers, and, and there's always people that are behind every successful woman, there's a man or whatever you hear, but there are a lot of solo folks out there that change the world in every every world, every aspect of the world you see. I think about people like Gary Shandling, who in comedy changed so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I'm sure in science and, and everything too, but I don't, I don't want the scientist who's working on the next great vaccine to have to be home at five o'clock. For right. Dinner. That's true. I, I just, I just don't. And I don't, I don't want my, I don't, I don't want the people who are creating concertos you know well, what I mean? who are, who are saying, well, I'm going to skip doing the next concerto because I want to take this family vacation. <laughs> right. You know? Like these, these all the, people. all the best songs are by authors who their, their hearts were broken. Or they found out that they can't live with, uh, you know, Angeline or whoever the the, the song is about. But um, except for that afternoon delight song, that's a pretty good one. Well, that's also (laughs) temporary, too. It's not a relationship. (laughs) By the Uh, way, afternoon delight is not happening with your husband and wife. It's happening with someone new. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you're (laughs) trysting with someone uh, that you see later in five hours after that afternoon. That's right. So. Correct and accurate, well, well thought out. Um, what is there to say? One thing that my ther- and I and my therapist sent me on my way. By the way, after a year, he's like, "Yeah, nothing's wrong with you." And and uh, everyone's like, everyone I tell that story to, like, he just didn't like you. <laughs> no, no, no. He's a good therapist. No. A good therapist wants you to be happy and recognizes what is going to make you happy. Well, there's all kinds of other shit going on with okay. me, but that's a whole nother world. But right, <laughs> for my point, one thing that he brought up, and I, and I bring this up to you, I think you're a little older than I am, is one thing he said to me is, how does this end? Or I would bring that up to him. Like, how does ah. this world end? Mm-hmm. And then I, he said, well, ask your uncle. I've, my favorite uncle, who's the happiest person I know, is single. He's uh-huh. single. He's 60 some years old now. And he's the happiest. And he gets it. Like, he's way happier than people I know in my family who've got yeah. kids and are fucking aging like nobody's business. Right. And I always thought about that. I'm like, well, how does that end? I'm like, well, I better be nice to my nieces and nephews. So they take care of me. Okay. But other than that, I don't see a bat. I mean, I feel like I've left my mark on society and in, in the world of music, the world of law, and hopefully the world of comedy and this podcast even. and this podcast, which is probably going to go viral because we've changed so many so many uh, nuances of the world mm-hmm. probably solved all the answers, to be honest with me. How do you see that? Is that something you worry about? We're like, well, if I'm going to be a soloist, how, how, am, how are people going to find me when I have a heart attack in my kitchen? Yeah. So that's, um, it's interesting you say this. Cause I do think that there are, I think that the world is built for married people 
And I think there's a lot of opportunities. So actually I started, I recently started a new project called A Single Insight, the, the Science of Solos. And it's actually designed to speak to um, managers, entrepreneurs, marketers, salespeople, human resource professionals, and policymakers to educate them about how big this market is and how they have a different set of needs. And, and some of the rise of single living, as I talked about earlier, was because of the rise of women, but, but some of it is also just connected to technology. So obviously birth control, no doubt, sure. right? game changing, but then also just, you know, if you get COVID, you can order Uber Eats and still eat. Like you can still be alone and sick. Now, when there was a time where you needed someone else. Right. You know, we, we have mobile phones and we have, you know, it, on your Apple watch, there's a fall, you can a setting for, if you fall and are unresponsive, it'll automatically call 911. So some of their, some of this is there's going to be some technological and innovation related things that happen. But some of it is you have to get really intentional about how you're going to plan your elder years. I'm actually planning for this summer to do a series on aging, retiring, and dying solo. And okay. What, what that might look like. So I already had an episode on the Golden Girls. Um, I had Dan um, Danielle yeah. Soto and um, Jen O'Donnell on there to talk about alternative forms of housing. You know, and so for example, I have a I have a friend. Uh, she's probably in her sixties. Her and a set of girlfriends are going to all buy condos in the same community. Oh God, that sounds and, awesome! And they're yeah. going to take care of each other as they get older. They have an agreement that that's what they're going to do. And so I do think that like planning out what are your later years going to look like in terms of retirement, what kind of community are you going to be a part of? How are you going to be preparing for it financially? Because let's be honest, you can buy your way out of a lot of these problems. You know, um, yeah. and you don't have to rely on a niece or nephew who might end up being a drug addict and right. steal all your <laughs> And like, so, um, by the way, I have a niece and nephew. No, no shade to them. But, um, so, but I do think there are some books out there that will help people to, to do it. But I do think, you know, to me, it's like, I'm training for 80 right now. You know, I'm 51. Okay. I'm training for 80. You know, I'm like, I want to say, how can, how far can I take this vibrant life? Yeah. And a, a big part of it is how do you maintain a growth path, right? How does it, do you keep having a reason to get up in the morning and ha keep having a reason to challenge yourself? Um, and I'm, I'm like super focused on, on saving for this future. And if I have a bunch of leftover money at the end, I'll figure out what to do with it. Right. And every time my niece or nephew doesn't text me back, I dock them $10,000. <laughs> That's a good idea. From their I like uh, that. Heritage, you know? <laughs> so. Well, what, when you bring this up on dates, mm -hmm. do you do the apps still? Do you go on the apps and then say this? I do. And you know, the other thing, Paul, is, so I have a saying on my podcast, and, and it's ask for what you want. And if you're like me and you're a single by mismatch, you're scared to ask for what you want oftentimes because for some people it's a moral issue, right? They think it's gross that you perhaps don't want monogamy or it's gross the escalator, you know, and people can be really rude. However, I find that people will surprise you if you own it. Like, one of the sexiest things is confidence. Right. And so I, I did a, a major pivot away from comedy into solo. I relaunched my website, launched all these new projects. I redid my app profiles. And I'm just, I'm like, I, I match best with unconventional thinkers. I'm more interested in a non-traditional relationship. I, I like to date casually, love to do, um, you know, road trips, fun dates, would like to do uh, happy with friends with benefits, et cetera, et cetera. And it's had this amazing effect. Like my dating life, I mean, not to be immodest, <laughs> it's better than it ever has before. Yeah. In the following way, I'm 100% honest about what I want, what I can offer, what I can't. Um, and I... Any of the escalator ladies 
stay far, far away from me. Sure. So we never waste. Don't waste their time. time. Absolutely. Non-escalator ladies are like, this guy's great. Like I, I you know, he's going to be honest with me. And, um, you know, we can just decide together whether this is a good match or not. Right. And so we're doing it not because we want something we're doing it because we want each other. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a great way to look at it. And the, and you're right about the confidence and, 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 and you know what, I, I, I'm still on there on those apps, but I just kind of like, don't really update it, but I think I'm going to like revamp some of those things. Cause I, but the one side, like you said, people will surprise you and I hope you're right. But I feel like a lot of times what ends up happening is these hookups, these at the connections, they think that I'm just looking to get laid. And they're like 90% of the time, I'm like, Oh no, that's not, I'm not gonna just fuck you. I'm not like, that's yeah. not, I'm not even, that's not the goal here. And, and that's the thing that, you know, people, they have this idea of, of, and I, and I think we've just got to change that. Mm-hmm. I, I say I'm not interested in one night stand. Right. I'm just not interested in that thing. I, I, you know, I, there's a lot of space though in the world between a one night stand exactly. and an escalator. Right. And, um, you know, this happens a lot, especially when I match with uh, single moms and I, and I just, I just say, you know, it's been my experience. There's two types of single moms. There's the, let me find a co-parent. Let's unite. You yeah. Know, have our week together. We'll have our week with the kids, you know, divide and conquer. And the other ones are like, I got my kids under control. I just want some adult fun. Right. And I'm like, that's what I do. <laughs> if you look at, if you listen to any of my old podcasts, I always say, I, I always date women who have kids. Cause I don't like to be the priority. I like to be, <laughs> cause I have my, my relationship yeah. is comedy and then whatever is next. And I feel like being a second priority to someone automatically, a child is already, I'm already second. And if she has a career even better, because right. then I'm lower on the totem pole. And then there's not this guilt of not hanging out. But I, I think it's all about revamping and being honest and, and putting it out in the world, what you want. And we just need to spread this message of soloists, Peter. And one by one, make this world a better place. So that by the time you're 80, everyone will fucking realize that this is the way to go. Indeed. Ask for what you want. Amen. Uh, we're, we're out of time. Sorry, I kept you a little longer than normal, but Peter, where can people find out more about your podcast, your movement and, uh, and the books you wrote, everything? Uh, just go to PeterMcGraw.org. Um, and the podcast is called Solo, The Single Person's Guide to a Remarkable Life. And you can find it anywhere podcasts can be found. Awesome. Peter, we're going to have you back on here. I, I think we're going to get some comments where we need to have, a, we're going to have to have someone disagree with us. So it's not just us just giving each other high fives and jerking each other off under the table. <laughs> with, with, we have to have someone disagree with our, our way of thinking, but uh, I really appreciate you on the podcast so much, Peter. And, uh, and thank you all for listening to another edition of singles only podcast, go out there and f- listen and spread this this podcast to everybody. <laughs> but I'm still-